Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. Of those whom thou gavest me, I lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews seized Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had given counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where their scribes and the elders had gathered. Now the chief priests and the whole council sought false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his mantle and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? 
and they all condemned him as deserving death. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Then a maid, seeing him as he sat in the light and gazed, gazing at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus mocked him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and asked him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they spoke many other words against him, revealing him. Let us stand for the reading of the gospel. The second reading is from St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. During these Lenten ser- uh, weekday services, we have been thinking about the similarity between the road that runs around Washington, D.C., the Beltway, and the great wall that surrounded Jerusalem. Uh, the uh, wall around uh, the highway around Washington, D.C., of course, is, is where the swamp is that the president has threatened to drain. It's where the leaders of our country are in our national buildings. The Great Wall around Jerusalem housed all of the religious leaders and all of the main buildings. It was on Palm Sunday, as you know, that Jesus went through that wall into the city with this wonderful parade without a permit, (laughs) looked around, and left. The next day, on Monday, he came back and and cleansed the temple and threw over the tables of the money changers and made a mess. He didn't drive them out because I'm sure they came back right away. But the next day, either Tuesday or Wednesday, a delegation of Jews came and said, who do you think you are doing this? Where is your authority? 
And of course, Jesus responded with this wonderful thing. Um, I'll tell you what, you tell me if John the Baptist was from God or not, and I'll tell you where my authority came from, and they couldn't answer. Probably the next day, maybe the same day, another delegation came. This was the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Pharisees were the, the strict, the people who, who interpreted the law strictly. For example, they asked the question, if a chicken laid an egg on Sunday, could you eat it on Saturday? Because that was the Sabbath. And the chicken had worked laying the egg. Could you eat it? They did that. And the Rhodians were a kind of a political party, and they, they came to Jesus, and uh, they were going to play a game. And the name of the game was Stump the Carpenter. We'll soon be able to play that game here. <laughs> and we will be as unsuccessful in stumping this carpenter <laughs> as they were to stump the carpenter of Nazareth. And they came. And they came with this terrible, terrible flattery. Someone has called it, they came with, with nauseous flattery. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. That's a lot of nonsense. They didn't believe it. And Jesus didn't believe it. And they asked him the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? It's a wonderful question. It's the kind of a question that uh, Jesus pulled on the folks before because if he says, pay the tax, then he's anti-Jewish because the tax goes to Rome. And if he says, don't pay the tax, then he's against Rome. So Jesus is caught on, on, on the horns of a dilemma here. What should he do? The tax was a, a, a poll tax. Every Jew had to pay this tax once a year, and it was, it was one denarius. And um, we know the denarius from the, the story that Jesus told about the, the workers in the vineyard, remember? Some came at 6 o'clock, at 10, at 2, at 3, and when they uh, got paid, they all got the same. They all got a denarius. All right, now I've got a picture of a denarius. Uh, this is the denarius, uh, the top one of Caesar Augustus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. Remember that? Well, that's, that's the denarius that was minted under Caesar Augustus. And if you look, you can see the, on the top, E-S-A-R-A-U-G-U-S-T-D-I-V means divinity. Because Caesar Augustus had been called a god. The one beneath is the denarius of Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius uh, succeeded uh, his father, uh, Caesar Augustus. Next, next one. And the, here you can see most cl clearly that the, um, the writing is, there's a lot of abbreviations, but what it says is Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Caesar, of the, of the divine Augustus. So this says that Caesar Augustus was a god. And on the back is uh, the, the goddess Peace, Pax, and then the, the Latin says 
Pontifex Maximus, high priest. And this is the coin um, that they had to use. And so the tax was a terrible tax because in the first place they had to use a coin that had all this stuff on it. And the second place, the coin stood for their being subjugated by Rome. And so the question was, should we pay the tax or not? And Jesus said, well, show me a denarius. And what do you know? Somebody had one. <laughs> See, if, if, they found, if they saw a denarius on the floor, they wouldn't have walked by on the other side. <laughs> because it was real money. And so somebody brought him one. And uh, Jesus asked a question. Now, this is where I have a trouble with the Bible translation. He said, whose likeness is this? But the Greek says, whose image is this? Whose image is that? And the principle is this. Image implies ownership. It belongs to the person on whom, uh, whose image is on it. Well, it's Caesar's picture, so it, it must be his coin. And Jesus said, pay it. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. It's just a coin. It's one day's pay. You're not giving him your heart. You're not giving him your life. And after all, you are getting something for your money. Because this was a time of what's called the Pax Romana. There was real peace throughout the Roman Empire. That's why St. Paul could travel all over Turkey and Greece without fear. Because the Romans ruled and the Romans kept order. Now, they kept it with a heavy hand. But they kept it. And the Jews lived in peace because the Romans kept the peace. Forty years later, when the Jews rebelled against Rome, the, the Romans killed them. They crushed them. And they destroyed Jerusalem. So Jesus said, pay it. And when Jesus said, pay it, I'll bet the, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians thought, we got him. We got him. He's against the Jews. He's telling us to pay the tax. But then Jesus went on. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then he said something that nobody imagined he would say. And give to God <laughs> give to God the things that are God's. Now, the next thing I'm going to do here, the stewardship committee did not ask me to do this, but I've got something, got a slide here. We have the next one. Now, this says, and let us remember that which we render unto God is deductible from that which we render unto Caesar. <laughs> That's enough of that foolishness. Well, you see, the, the, the idea is this. Whose image is on you? Oh. Well, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, God says, so God created humankind in his image. 
And the word used image here in the Greek New Old Testament is the same word image that's used here in the gospel. Man is created in the image of God. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Oh. So the image of God is on you and me. Because we're created in God's image. Now that image is, is flawed. It's scarred. But image implies ownership. So if God's image is on you, Pharisees and Herodians, if God's image is on you, people of Emmanuel Church, give to God what belongs to God. And you belong to God. Because the Jews had a, even though we're sinners, the Jews had a rather high estimation of people. Listen to this from the 8th Psalm about humankind. Yet you have made them, humankind, a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also beasts of the field and birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Wow. The Hebrews had a very high estimation of humanity and the image of God, even though that image is flawed. And so Jesus says to them, give to God what belongs to God, and that's you. Well, how do you do that? Micah, he has shown you a man what God requires of you. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. That's how you do that. From the Psalms. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. That's how you render to God the things that are God's. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's how you do it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's how you render to God the things that are God's. And of course, the Herodians and the Pharisees and the rest of them, they were planning to kill Jesus. Hardly rendering to God the things that are God's. How about for us Christians? How do we render to God? the things that are God's. Well, you've got to start with the Old Testament again. He has shown you, a man, what is required of you. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. That's how we do that as Christians. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. Well, St. Paul said, present your bodies to God a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Give of yourself constantly. That's, that's how we do it. We love the Lord our God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. That's what Jesus taught. 
And we love our neighbors as ourselves. That's how we Christians render to God the things that are God's. St. Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new, a new creation. The old has passed away. All that sinful stuff has passed away. The new has come. We're people who have given our hearts and souls to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we want to glorify him out there in that world that does not know him. We are his representatives out there. And we went to the God, the, the things that are God, by being good and faithful witnesses out there. By doing our jobs well. By minding our language. By helping our... Don't look so sad, everybody. Everybody says, this is good stuff. That's how we do it out there. Render to God the things that are God's. So we've been talking about Jesus, and this is just a couple of days before his crucifixion. He came eyeball to eyeball with these people. And he challenged them. You wonder why he was crucified? Here's another bunch of people he put down. Taught them something that they didn't want to hear. So we, we cling to this, this teaching of Jesus. We give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That's okay. That means we pay our taxes, folks. We do. Because we get something back for all of that. Something. I don't know how much. <laughs> but what's true of us and all Christians is we're always aware that we want to give back to God what's God's. And since his image is on each of us, we give him back the life we owe. Amen.